Welcome to Share Public Health, the Midwestern Public Health Training Center's podcast, connecting you to public health topics, issues, and colleagues throughout our country, highlighting that we all share in public health. Thank you for tuning in to the series of interviews with public health leaders as we learn about different perspectives on current and emerging public health issues. Today, Brandon Grimm from the University of Nebraska Medical Center, College of Public Health, talks with Michael Frazier, who is the CEO of the Association of State and Territorial Health Officials. Dr. Frazier shares what excites him about public health, what makes him nervous, and the importance of advocacy. Hello, my name is Brandon Grimm, and I am the Associate Dean of Public Health Practice at UMC College of Public Health, and part of the Midwestern Public Health Training Center. And I am here today with Dr. Mike Frazier, who is the Executive Director, CEO, of the Association of State and Territorial Health Officials. And as you know, Mike, uh, the Public Health Training Center Network is committed to building the capacity of the current and future public health workforce. Um, in Midwestern Public Health Training Center, that's Region 7, Iowa, Nebraska, Missouri, and Kansas. And today we want to learn from you, your expertise, um, your uh, experiences about how we can build the, the workforce, and then your experiences about some of the different leadership skills needed for our future and current public health workforce. Great, great to be here. So first, before we start, I just uh, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your history of, of public health, how you got to where you are, um, sure. and just give that brief history. Yeah, yeah. Well, you were around for some of it, yeah. which was great. Yeah. Um, you know, I started uh, my public health journey in a different way. I did not go to MPH school. Mm -hmm. I actually have a, uh, my graduate work was in sociology and I was doing medical sociology and um, HIV prevention from that angle, which was actually really interesting. And um, some of the issues around equity that are now really current in public health were things that we were talking about in sociology for, for a long time. So that was fun. But I actually got my first public health job at NACHO, County and City Health Officials. So I've actually worked at NACHO, uh, I've worked at the federal government, and now I'm with ASTA, State and Territorial Health Officials. So I've really been in a, a unique um, career path where I've gotten to work with every level of governmental public health and seen all of that happen. And you know, it was really, it's really been quite great. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, you've seen the local level, the state yep. level, the federal level, and seen this, the struggles, the opportunities that exist throughout uh, your years in public health. So what, what excites you about public health right now? I think we're in a really neat time in public health because we're taking very seriously this need to move upstream. It's not being driven necessarily by um, public health people, which is interesting. It's being driven by the people who pay for healthcare delivery. And I think um, we have something to add to these conversations about moving healthcare from volume to value and really beginning to focus on the work of prevention, um, starting to see health plans, uh, insurance companies, hospitals get really engaged in prevention and thinking about how do we keep people healthy so we don't have to pay for these downstream um, interventions and, and all the high need medical stuff that we do. And that excites me because I think public health has a huge role there and it's never been as much in the spotlight. I think the other thing that really excites me and it's unfortunate that these things excite me, but we've had lots of really good examples of why we need public health from infectious disease outbreaks, uh, recent measles, to um, thinking about communities and what's happening in communities with the opioid crisis, to thinking overseas with Ebola, to, th I mean, there's just so many ways that public health is relevant today. It's, you know, it's, it's really exciting. It's really fun. And, and people in Washington want to talk about it. They love talking about public health. They just didn't know it existed. 
So we've got to make it visible. Yeah. So on the other spectrum of that, what worries you right now about public health? Well, I'm really worried about two things. I'm worried about um, the very tactical uh, work that we do in Washington, which is advocacy. Mm -hmm. And I'm worried that we don't have enough uh, public health practitioners talking about the, the need for public health agencies and their work and really um, educating and informing uh, policymakers and political leaders about public health and that. That worries me because I can only do so much, our team can only do so much advocacy. And if we're not preparing public health practitioners to advocate with us, um, I think we're, we're at a huge disadvantage because other groups are and, and they win. So that worries me a little bit. I think that um, we've got a very compelling story to tell. That's not the issue. The issue is preparing the folks that are watching this and the folks that work with them to be effective advocates and go in with stories, not tomes of data, and be strategic about the messaging. So I think we can do a lot more there on, on policy and advocacy. We are really facing a fiscal crisis in FY20 with the federal budget. And a lot of people are like, well, that's Washington, who cares? Well, you know, 50, 60% of a state's public health budget comes from the federal government. So if you're sitting in a state capital thinking, well, all I have to do is pay attention to what happens in my state or my community at the local level, you know, come go to our website and see what's going on. So we're, you know, we're gonna have to really push for um, public health in this FY20 budget. So that worries me very tactically. Big On the bigger picture, which is what I think you know, we're talking about today is the workforce. Do we have the workforce we need to um, see the health improvement we want? And I think we do, but I think we need to start getting better about building the strategic skills of the public health workforce, not just the technical skills. And I'm really, I'm excited to see the public health training centers working in that space. We're really interested in it. Uh, our health officials are really interested in it. So uh, we can talk a little about that this morning. Well, thank you. That's a great yeah. transition because uh, I agree with you. I think it's going to take great leaders uh, to address these wicked problems that are, are coming our way in public health. And uh, uh, specifically, I want to talk a little bit about uh, systems thinking, mm -hmm. persuasive communication, and change management. Great. So I'm going to start first with the systems thinking. Uh, how would you define systems thinking? Because systems thinking has been around for decades. As long as I've been in public health, people have been talking about systems thinking. What is this systems thinking? And right. we just throw it out. But I don't think people uh, actually understand what we mean by when we say systems thinking. Yeah, I think people know what it is intuitively when you talk mm -hmm. about it, but they don't really have that perspective necessarily in, work, in the work they do, which is weird. So to me, systems thinking is really about looking at the big picture that contributes to the specific technical problem you're trying to solve. And there's a couple really good examples of that that, that I use. Um, one of the things happening in our country right now, and I'm sure folks in, in this region are working on, or even in their own families or in their communities, is the opioid crisis. And the solutions that we've offered um, from most of the, the public health leadership has been around um, overdose prevention, thinking about how do we get naloxone into the hands of, of responders and others to save lives, super important, no problems there. Um, how do we make better, faster prescription drug monitoring programs so that the uh, physicians don't prescribe as many opioids or the prescribers don't prescribe as many opioids? How do we um, you know, clamp down on the supply side and those are very, and, and how do we expand access to, to medicine that assists treatment or MAT or medically assisted or medicine assisted treatment. Um, those are all very symptomatic approaches to a very big systems problem, which is 
why do people become addicted in the first place and what's going on in communities. And you have to start looking at, there's a lot more to this very large problem than the one you know, drug take back day that I'm responsible for. And put those pieces together. That to me, that's systems thinking. These, these issues pop up and we try and solve the, the tip of the iceberg. There's a great systems thinking graphic that has this iceberg. And what the problem we're trying to solve is the tip that pokes out above the water, but underneath it are all these factors and mindsets and behaviors and events and attitudes that create these conditions. You know, we, thinking about systems means we're, these things are connected in ways that I think we're getting to understand in public health. We think about multi-sector partnerships and we think about community engagement and we think about authentic conversations about needs. Stuff pops up. But systems thinking is a way to rationalize that and to and to begin to be less wrong in our solutions, which is I think a really big insight of systems thinking, which is we don't, you know, part of it is not getting it perfect, it's being less wrong. Right. Yeah. And you know, that's not something that lots of people are used to thinking about. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially in public health. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, you talked about this a little bit earlier when you talk about advocacy and mm -hmm. uh, having public health professionals really be out there and share the stories. So persuasive communication, what, what do you think are some of the skills of persuasive communication that our practitioners really need right now? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, persuasive communication is an interesting skill in terms of strategic skill. And it's one that I think is hard to quantify, especially, you know, in terms of how would you teach that? And um, what I've done when I start thinking about persuasive communication is look in the business literature and there is a whole heap of you know, research in the management management business schools around persuasive communication. And it doesn't mean manipulative communication yeah. or like, you know, one of the Dale Carnegie, you know, don't sweat the small stuff communication. This is really about being effective storytellers. And that ties back to advocacy. It ties back to how do you bring people along and tell a story that they understand. And um, the days of just read the data and of course you'll make the right decision. I mean, that, that's over, that doesn't happen, we know this. So um, really being thinking about storytelling effectively, and there's a great, I don't know if this can be added to the, to the um, ancillary material, but there's a great piece by Soledad O'Brien who uh, just came out in the Journal of Public Health Management and Practice. Mm -hmm. She was doing some work with some public health folks at De Beaumont and, uh, and us, she came to speak at our meeting. And um, she's a very effective communicator, a journalist, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with her, she's been on you know, TV a lot. And um, she talks about the need for stories. Like we've got to be better about how we tell our story in, in public health, because the work we do is so important. Why wouldn't we? And so I think pers persuasive communication, although I, I always mix that up with pervasive communication, yeah. <laughs> persuasive communication is super important and it's a, it's a skill you're not taught necessarily in your epidemiology course. You're taught how to present the table and find what's significant and analyze that and use the scientific method and all that goes into that. But the next step is, okay, so how do we take that and actually turn it into communication that people can receive? Absolutely, I yeah. totally agree with you. I think we are not teaching that into our future public health professionals. We teach them how to show the data and show the, the results, but yeah, to really be able to tell the story of what that means to the lay audience or your, or your elected officials. Yeah, yeah they don't speak not, for themselves. They they, exactly, yeah. exactly right. Uh, so public health is ever changing. You talked about all the changes that are happening even in the next year. So change management is another skill that we wanna make sure that our public health practitioners are able to have those skills of change management. Right. So 
talk a little bit about that. You know, what do you, what do you see as uh, the, the next changes coming up or that some of the skills also in change management that our practitioners really need to be aware of? Yeah, so I think when you're looking at change management, again, there's a great body of knowledge around this in the management literature and, and, and business school literature, but we haven't really taken it into governmental public health. So when we talk about change management in public health, we hit two barriers right away. The first barrier is the natural human inclination to not want to change because we know that when things change, we often lose something. So change efforts that involve people, which is pretty much everyone, uh, have to really begin to address that issue of loss and understand what do people fear and what is actual reality and how do you have that conversation, right? So leaders have to be ready to explain that and leaders have to be clear about the gains and be honest about the losses. The second piece around change in government in particular is that those are systems designed to not change. So you've got organizational barriers to change in governmental public health, and you've got people barriers, which are just part of the work that we do. So you can deal with the people, and then you have to deal with your organization and your culture. What are you doing to promote change within your organization? How is change perceived by people in your organization? Are there structures that prevent change? Are there collective bargaining agreements or ways that you're organized that, that sort of uh, codify you know, this, this stability? Or are there opportunities to maybe be a little more flexible and begin to introduce different ways of thinking and doing? Because we know that when you have different ways of thinking and doing, work improves, people are more productive. So change, you know, it's so trite to say change is the only constant, but it is, you know? And, and I, there's an there's a, a image I like to use when I talk about change, which um, is, looks at uh, the size of cell phones over time and how they went from really big to really small and now they're getting really big again. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that that just goes to show all this stuff, you know, evolves. Yeah. And sometimes we go back to where we were. Mm -hmm. You know, people are like, well, why did we change in the first place? But it's not the same. So I think change management is extremely important, and we have to get folks who are open to to doing things differently in public health, or we're not going to see any improvement. Yeah, I totally agree with you there too. I think innovation, creativity is not something that has been in public health for right. a long time. Your, your example about the, the cell phones, yeah, Apple tells us what we want. They told us we wanted a small phone and now they're telling us we want a big phone. Right. We should be able to do that in public health too. Tell people this is what you, you need and want with great stories, with persuasive communication, with systems thinking, all of those skills. I think if we could do that better, we would we could see some really great health outcomes for our communities. Yeah, and you know, there, there's more than three. You know, those yeah, are absolutely. three, three yes, important yes. ones. But I think that entire way of thinking, which is the strategic skills matter as much as the technical skills in public health. And our, and our faculty and our practicum supervisors and our deans and our health officials and everybody involved in the public health enterprise needs to embrace that in a way and think a little bit about opportunities that, that you're offering and others to, to say, let's take this seriously and yeah. begin to address those skills in addition to the, the technical competencies we want anybody with a advanced training in public health Absolutely. to have. Absolutely, yeah. So thank you for your insights. Do you have any final advice, any final insights that you'd like to give uh, the audience watching? Yeah, this? I mean, the, the, the work of public health is so important and you're not in this for the money. I know that, I don't even know who you are, but um, you are mission-driven, highly engaged practitioners that know your communities and want to make a difference. And so we're all in this together, and I'm really appreciative of the time you spent uh, listening to me and sharing uh, you know, that, your day with us to, to get to know what it means to be a more um, strategic leader. Dr. Frazier, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you all of you for, for watching and viewing this. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. 
We hope you tune in for the next episode of Share Public Health. Special thanks to our guests and to Katie Brandert, Brandon Grimm, Joy Harris, Roger Heilman, Janine Moody, Melissa Richland, Hannah Schultz, and Lori Wachner with the Midwestern Public Health Training Center. Theme music was composed and produced by Dave Hoeing and Roger Heilman. Funding for this webinar is provided by the Health Resources and Services Administration. Please see the podcast notes for an evaluation and transcript.